Holy Ghost is always good. You don't want to mess with him. Let him do what he's going to do. So tonight we're going to go to lesson 2.2 in our discipleship series. We're going to talk about I am the Lord that healeth thee. And we'll talk about spiritual healing tonight. Spiritual healing. I feel like I want to have discussion tonight. I don't feel like I want. I know sometimes I tend to not have discussion all the way because I know we record these things and I know people listen to our um, teachings and when I'm having discussions, I know it's hard for them to kind of um, hear the discussion on it and it's just too much to give you a mic and then you'll be here all night. So it, it's just difficult. But I still do feel like tonight I want to have discussion. I, I don't want to just go through and talk to you. I want to have discussions because I think that it's worth it. First Peter chapter two, verse 24 and 25, and then Mark chapter two, verse one through 10. Those are the scriptures we will focus on tonight. Marilyn, good to see you. I got your message. I'm trying my best to figure out what to do. We'll talk after church. I don't know what to do yet. I'm praying, trying to figure out what to do, but I got your message. First Peter chapter two, verse 24, verse 24 through 25, Mark chapter two, verse one through 10. First Peter 2 and 24 says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, the tree, the cross, same thing, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray. But are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. So for those of us that are not coming to church, submitting to the word of God, the Bible says that we are sheep that are astray. If we're not doing our best to obey the word of God, submit to the word of God, the Bible calls us sheep that have gone astray. That's that's what we are called. Mark chapter two, verse one. And again, he entered. This is a great story. You guys, some of you might know this, but I love this. Every time I read it, it's just like all new to me again. And again, he entered into Capernaum talking about Jesus. He entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house. He was in the house. Noise that he was in the house. I like that. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that there were no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof. Where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Somebody say, in their hearts. Key. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? 
who can forgive sins but God only. So in their heart, while Jesus was telling the dude, your sin forgiven you, in their heart, they didn't speak it. In their heart, they were saying, what's up with this guy talking about your sin forgiven you? So just know that what you think in your heart, to God you're speaking. To God, whatever you're thinking in your heart, you're speaking. Me and you don't hear it. But to God, what you have in your heart, you're speaking, and he can answer that. Scripture. Remember I told you, answer me in my mind when I was like, Jesus, am I going to wake up every day for the next whatever amount of my life to go to church dressed up and preach? And and I said that in my mind, and his response in my mind, what is your alternative? These guys was calling them blasphemous, and he spoke to them. Watch. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your heart? He caught them out there. (laughs) This is why you can be in church, and people would say to me, you were saying all that stuff, that was like you were talking to me. Don't even worry about me. Just ignore me. Jesus was talking to you, but he used this voice that you're hearing right now. So don't you make any mistake that when you hear me and it feel like I'm talking dead to you. Listen, man, I've learned over the years. When you feel like the preach word is speaking dead to you, just praise God. Because what it means is God is speaking to you. And it's a privilege to have God speak to me. I don't care if he's chastising me. I don't care if he's correcting me. Whatever God is saying to me, it means he thinks something of me to talk to me. So good or bad, I take it, Lord, because you're talking to me. So he talked to these these guys. And so... Why reason within your heart whether it is easier? Verse 9 says, whether it, is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk? Let me tell you something. Jesus is out of control. Let me, let me point something out to you today as I'm going to Holy Ghost show me real quick. Jesus responds to them and says, whether is it easier to say, to the sick of the Paul. He says, you all are worried about me saying thy sin forgiven thee because you think only God can forgive sin and you don't even realize I'm God in the flesh. And so that's why I have the right to forgive this guy's sin. So he perceived that they were saying, and he said to them, now he called them on the carpet and says, think about this. What's easier for me to say thy sins forgiven thee or for me to say arise and take up thy bed and walk? You know what I did? I said, Jesus is crazy. I counted how many words was in those two phrases. Jesus is so calculated. Thy sins be forgiven thee. One, two, three, four, five. Five words. Arise and take up thy bed and walk. Seven words. Jesus is so calculated that he said to them, well, what's easier? Y'all don't understand how I work. Y'all think that, oh, he can't walk, so I'm going to have to muster up some extra stuff to get him to walk. That's how we thinking. And Jesus is saying, it's my word that does this. So ask, what's easier for me to speak five words or seven words? Five words says your sin forgiven you. Seven words say take up your bed and walk. So I figure I'll just say take up your sins forgiven you. And that's quicker than saying take up your bed and walk. I said, Jesus, you, you rolling like that. Like, like, we're worried about, like,
like he had to lift weights and get strong, like build his muscles up to do that one thing over there. Because that's just so hard. So he's going to have to lift for about a month. He's going to have to jog and exercise for about two months to get that done. Because that's so hard. But this over here, oh, he can do that because he's strong enough to do that. That's how we kind of deal with him. And he's saying, I just speak these things. So what's easy to speak? Man, my Lord, what are you doing, man? You make my head spin. But that ye may know the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy. So first thing again, you know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Because the Jews, the scribes, the religious people knew only one could forgive sin, and that is God. And here come Jesus talking about your sins forgiving you. If one and only can forgive sin, and only way that sin could be forgiven is if Jesus is God. Amen. There's no other way. So he showed them he was God. But tradition, man, let me talk to you tonight. Tradition. Even us that are good people, good Christian people, trying our best, we have to check ourselves and see if what we're doing is tradition sometimes. Because this stuff here, tradition make you miss things. And instead of when he said your sin's forgiven you, instead of stopping saying, he got to be God. Because only God can forgive sin. They start calling him blasphemous. Oh, how can he say that? He's not God. Why? Because you want God to show up with a big crown on his head, having on all the royal robes and royal shoes and sitting on his chariot. And that's why you wanted God. That's how you want God. We have to stop trying to make God what we want him to be. If you want to, if you want to look at one of the reasons why a lot of people fail in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, but in the olden days is they wanted God to be what they wanted him to be. Jews want God to be who they want him to be. That's the problem. All of us have to check ourselves and say, am I trying to make God who I want him to be? Or am I going to look at God for who he is and embrace that? Hmm. So I want to embrace God for who he is. I'm not going to try to make him something. I can't make him my genie in the bottle. I can't make him out to be, you know, you know, just like we like to think that, oh, you know, God is so merciful and so kind. And yes, he is, but he can't go above his word. So as much as he's, you ever, uh, any parent that ever punished their children, beat their children, no, it never feels good to beat your child. You don't want to see your child cry. If you want to see your child cry, that's terrible. <laughs> you should never want to see a child cry. But you know sometimes you have to do things that make them cry. Well, that's Jesus. We act like Jesus is never going to make us cry. Oh, don't get quiet on me. Stop. We're talking today. Jesus is going to make you cry sometimes. And not tears of joy, but tears of disappointment. Because what you want, he said no. Oh, we didn't think that happened. We think, well, we thought Jesus spoiled us and so whatever we want, he just give it to us. No, you're going to cry sometimes in disappointment because Jesus is going to say, no, that's not what you're going to get. And sometimes we want to be spoiled brats and still waiting for him to give us something that he already says, no, I'm not giving you that. 
All right. The house was packed full to the overflowing and the crowd spilled out into the courtyard as local believers were trying to get in. These are things that make you think back and start to say, man, they heard Jesus was in the house and he was preaching the word. They didn't say he was doing miracles. Now, I'm sure they his reputation spread that he was doing miracles. But in this particular case that we read, it says Jesus was in the house preaching the word. And people were just crowding into this room where he was and trying to get to him. And the question is, why did they want to get to Jesus? Why was it being a big deal? And where are we with that? Are we trying to get to the house where we feel like Jesus is, 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 is moving and doing great things? They had received word that Jesus was there preaching about the kingdom of heaven. It was, a, it was vital for these men to find a way to Jesus. For one of the five was a, paralyt- a paralytic and in need of healing. This man was weak and unable to move on his own. He relied on his four friends to carry him wherever he needed. You know, I started thinking about that whole story. Just think, a little couch or a mattress, dude on a mattress. He can't walk, he lays on a mattress, and he's being carried around on a mattress. And so he got to this place where Jesus was preaching, and he wanted to, his friends wanted to get him into the room where Jesus was so Jesus could heal him. Just start picturing that. So this dude on a small mattress, his friends holding the mattress, one at each end. Makes sense? Let's do it. Oh, no, it's crowded. We can't get inside. Okay. So all of a sudden, a friend says, ooh, I've got an idea. How about we get up on the roof with this dude? Make a hole in the roof just where Jesus is teaching so we can let him just right down in front of Jesus so he can get to Jesus and Jesus can heal him. How were they going to get him up on the roof with the mattress, the four friends? How? Were they tall enough to reach up to the roof? What do you think happened? You said a ladder? Anybody else? Yeah, but, he, but you got to get up on top of the roof first. How did they get up on top of the roof? A ladder? You think all four of them can fit on the ladder? You think they got four ladders? That's what I thought. So I thought that they might have got like, you know, two long pieces of rope and put it around the mattress and, you know, two go up on the roof, throw the rope up and then kind of, you know, try to get him up some kind of way. That's what I thought. Listen, you, you try to tell me how Israel is set up? Don't get me started now. Don't get me started now. Don't get me started. <laughs> Here's the story. Either way you want to put it, I think they still need a rope. Because you got to get him up on the roof. And when, once you make the hole, how do you lower him down? If you read it closely, it sounds like the four guys stayed on top of the roof while they let him down. How are they going to let him down? No matter how tall or short. So somewhere rope came in play. So when they laid on the roof and they, after they made the hole, they let him down. And they were, they were laying on top of the roof and letting him down right before Jesus. And so when Jesus saw him came in, I mean, first thing I thought about is once that started happening, you know, people started talking. They done messed the place up. The disciples, 
Come on, why are you disturbing Jesus? It, just, just let him do what he's going to So all kind of mess. And I keep saying this. You heard me say it last week, and I'll say it this week. Listen, man, ladies, if we're going to get miracle from God, our faith will cause us to believe, and believe is the action word. Faith, you know about God. You understand who he is. But once you know, then you must believe, and when you believe, there's action in your belief. And if we're going to see a miracle, somebody is going to experience a miracle or more somebody's will experience a miracle. But it's going to take you saying, I don't know what everybody else is doing. I don't care what everybody else is doing, but I have to do something to get to Jesus so Jesus can do what he got to do in me. That's the attitude of people who experience miracle. The dude that was blind, blind Bartimaeus, he was on the side of the road and the people were walking and Jesus was walking and he was the one that says Jesus thou son of David have mercy upon me and they said man be quiet why are you screaming at Jesus and he said you must be out of your mind you're not blind I'm blind Jesus thou son of and he kept on going and he kept on going to Jesus stop and says bring him to me but Jesus would never stop and say bring him to me if he wasn't shouting then we read last week about this woman with the issue of blood for 12 years she couldn't get to Jesus either. She said, I can care less what y'all think about me. Get all under the table like she was Peyton and Jordan and all the little kids. Crawling. My point is, I know for me and for you and for everybody else, we can't get God cool. We can't get God in our conservative way. We're not going to get God by holding our position and just, uh. We will never get God like that. I remember I wanted to get the Holy Ghost. I didn't get the Holy Ghost for seven, eight, nine months. I don't know how long. Why? Because I told God I don't want to be crying in front of people. I told God I don't want to fall out in front of people. I told God everything I wanted to tell him how I wanted the Holy Ghost. He said, that's how you want it? Keep on waiting. He didn't say that, but that's how I feel. And finally, when I went to the altar enough and they prayed for me long enough and I didn't receive it, then I just said, all right. That's when I didn't care anymore. Do what you want, Lord. (laughs) And when I said, do what you want, that's when I got the Holy Ghost and that's when snot came out and tears came out and people was watching my face filled with water and I'm like looking like a fool and no longer cool and that's when I received the Holy Ghost. So I've learned a little bit about God that we don't get Him the way we need to get Him in our conservative positioned place. Don't work that way. You're going to have to look like a fool. And really, is it looking like a fool? Or people made us think, make, make us to think that we're going to look like fools when we do this? Is it really looking like a fool? Because how many times we watch prices Right? They don't even know if they're going to win anything. All they got was the name call. Hadia Page, come on down. She's looking like a crazy lady. She don't know she's going to win anything. She hoping she's going to win something, but she don't know she's going to win anything. But she was going crazy. So I don't know who told us that we look silly when we do certain things in church. I don't know where that came from. 
traditions and some of our experiences. But I'm encouraging you tonight. Forget about what people think when it comes down to you and Jesus. You just forget about them. Forget about how it look and listen and listen. And if Jesus don't do what you expect him, don't you be disappointed. God's time is his time. It ain't your time. So if I'm sick in my body and I'm just barely walking and I go to the altar and I cry out to God, but I don't receive my healing, I'm not any way, shape or form phased because God is the healer and he determined it. It's nothing. It's not up to me. All I can do is ask. All I can do is, yo, you see me? That's it. So the people was looking at him, talking. <laughs> they, 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 that's how it is. You just got to talk it out. You and Jesus. You can't worry about it. You can't worry about how you look. When I stopped worrying about how I looked, I started making some headways. I really did. <laughs> I started making some headways. Jesus first looked up to the four friends and was moved by their faith. And as they peered down into the room to see what Jesus might do to their friend, he turned his focus to the man on the bed with authority and declared, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, here's where we're going with our lesson tonight. The dude was sick physically. But Jesus didn't heal him first physically. Uh-huh. 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 The reason why this all started from the beginning was he couldn't walk. He had palsy. And so they went through all of that stuff to lower him down because they wanted to see him heal physically. But that's not what Jesus did first. Very interesting, right? tells you how much Jesus care about you and how much he knows about you. We worrying about, we think we've got this thing down pat. We understand. And no, Lord, I don't understand. I told you one of my key prayers that I pray all the time because I know God is not a God that try to strong arm you or go against your will. I give him the permission to go against mine. I say, God, I know you love me, and because you love me, you don't force me into anything. You give me your commandments, and you say, if I love you, I will obey your commandments. I say, but sometimes, God, it's not because I don't love you, I'm ignorant. So when I'm being ignorant and foolish and don't understand, you just go against my will, and I'm quite okay with that. That's prayer that I pray. Because I just know I'm silly. I know I'm ignorant. I know sometimes I'm just like, you know, wherever I am, I don't know. I said, God, when I'm out there, do your thing. Don't let me just destroy myself. And so God said to them, what do you think is easier? For me to say your sins forgiven you or take up your bed and walk? Jesus confronted their skepticism and then proved his power In one bold move, looking at the scoffers, he began, but that you may know the son of man has power on earth to forgive sin. That's what he said to them. Immediately, the man who had suffered the paralysis due to his illness stood up, picked up his bed and walked through the crowded doorway, demonstrating both the saving and healing power of God. Here's another thing. Remember, I told you. That we have to make sure that we don't 
worry about being embarrassed and we have to get out of our comfort zone and out of our coolness and just go straight ahead and let God do what he's going to do. The other thing that we have to do is when God does something for you, can you demonstrate appreciation? Please. If God has done anything for you and you're walking around like, you know, okay, you've got it together, but you're not saying anything, you're not showing appreciation. If God has been good to you and took care of you and you're just going about your business, having it all together and people are looking at you saying that sister looks like she have it all together. But if you never stop and share with somebody and when they say you look like you have it all together and you say, you know what? Jesus has been really good to me and he has blessed me and allowed me to look better than what I'm really what what I really am. I got to give all the credit to Jesus Christ. You got to appreciate him and what he is doing. It's not good that God has done great things for us and we come in the house or we go out the house or whatever we do and we don't show great appreciation. We have to stop being spoiled. And always the focus is on what's the latest thing that's wrong with me. Please help the Lord out with that. You can't focus on what's the latest thing that's wrong with you because then you don't give him no glory through your appreciation. Because now all you, you listen, we're always going to have some challenges in life. And if he gets us through this one, another one is coming. So if, if you never stop to give him appreciation and glory for what he's done, you won't have the opportunity because you will go from one problem to another, one problem to another, one problem, and you will never have the, so just forget it. Just know things are going to happen. Talk about what he's done. Talk about the great thing he's done. And when that problem comes, you're talking about him so much about all he's done. You can't even think about the problem that just came. I'm telling you, I'm talking about him so much. That, okay, there's a problem. Don't you see? Yeah, but man, I'm just thinking about what he did. Like I'm celebrating with my friend, Pastor White. And, 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 you know, he was never sure that God called him to do what he, that, what he's doing. He was always... He thinks one minute he thinks he is, the next minute he's like, ah. but what God just did, I had to burn that in it. I said, brother, what God has just done for you, you know now, you don't have to ask anymore. Leave that behind and stop questioning whether God did this or whether God called you or not. God has done all this stuff because he called you. We gotta keep those things in mind. What God has done, He has done, and you gotta brag on that and appreciate God for what He's done. Because as soon as He do something and you brag, and the devil gonna give you something to be murmuring about. Forget about that stuff. Brag on what God has done. My Lord. That's why, I don't know. Praise singers and praise singers all over the world. I'd rather sing about the goodness of God and what God has done as opposed to what I need God to do. Now, there's all different kind of songs and there's going to be a song in there like, I need thee, O Lord, I need thee. But even that song is just, I just need you. I don't need you to do something for me. I just need you. And so that, that's where I am with God. I like to, I like to appreciate him. He, he's just done so much that I, I just like to appreciate him. We got to get into that attitude. That dude picked up his bed and showed, man, how God was just wonderful and great to him. The need for spiritual healing. There are four different uh, topics or four different types or categories of healing that will come in this series. 
And the most important of the four is spiritual healing. We have uh, physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, and divine healing. But the most important of all is spiritual healing. Spiritual healing is God's first and most important priority in our lives. I'm not even a Bible scholar, but I've shared this with you before. That when you pray for people that are sick, I always want to pray for their salvation before their sickness. See, we get, you know, you'll see, I kind of even change that on a prayer board. We, you know, have let's pray for those that are sick. And we still do. Yes, we do. But I am so concerned about people's spiritual condition that that's the first thing I'm praying for. So when you tell me so-and-so is sick, if I know so-and-so, I have, I think about their spiritual condition. And that's the one that I go to God first about that. Because I read the scripture where God says we can go to heaven with one eye. And we're going to be fine because once we get to heaven, this body is going to be changed. So I'm not worried about this body so much. I'm worried about this spirit. I want the spirit, my spirit, to be reconciled, to be healed. Because if that's not right, then I'm not right. So I'm not worried about physical. Do I want to be healthy and strong? Yes, I do. But I am concerned first about spiritual healing than I am physical healing. We were created to live in relationship with God. Everything was perfect in the Garden of Eden and evil had not been experienced. Everything was new and fresh. God met Adam and Eve daily. There were no kinds of sickness until the fall of man in the garden. You never read anywhere that Adam was sick and he had to take uh, aspirin. You never read that Adam had a cold. You never went, read that Eve had some kind of sickness or anything while they were in the garden. But once they sinned and the fall came, that's when we started reading about sickness. Adam and Eve and the serpent, they were forced out of the garden because of their sins. And when they were forced out of the garden, that's when sickness started. What do you think spiritual healing is? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Uh huh. All right. We'll we'll cover that in our teaching tonight. So we're going there. So we will answer that question in just a moment. Does anyone want to take a shot at explaining what they think spiritual healing is? Spiritual healing? God's plan was revealed immediately after the fall. As God pronounced judgment upon the serpent, he stated, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That's Genesis 3 and 15. As God's word reveals, God's desire for relationship with humanity is very strong. Keep that in mind. Only blood sacrifice can atone for sin. Thus, God's people had to regularly offer animal blood sacrifice under the old covenant in order to receive spiritual healing. However, a new covenant was coming in which God would provide his own sacrifice to atone for sin forever. 
This provision for spiritual healing was what God prophesied to the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Before Christ, the remedy for spiritual healing was a temporary solution. The need for spiritual healing was the whole reason for a Messiah. From the moment of Adam and Eve departure from the garden, everything began building to an appointment at Calvary between the Messiah and the cross. Under the old covenant, man could only experience spiritual healing by offering an animal sacrifice. But God intended his love to reach further than this. A new way was being provided through which all people could be spiritually healed and saved. So. To answer Sister Aisha's question, let's take a quick look at this. Spiritual sickness. Spiritual sickness is obviously our spirit being sick. When we're sick physically, it's our body being sick. When we're sick spiritually, that inner man. Is what's sick. Sin. S-I-N. Is the disease. That causes our spirit. To become sick. So. When we disobeyed God. In the garden. We was exposed to spiritual sickness. And physical sickness. Physical in our body. Spiritual in our spirit. And so the blood of Jesus Christ is the medicine administered to heal our sick spirit. So when you're sick in your body, if Jesus don't heal you, you take medicine to help heal your body. When you're sick in your spirit, the only medicine you can take for that healing is the blood of Jesus Christ. So all of us that have strayed, strayed, or whatever you want to describe it as, we are spiritually sick. And so in order to experience healing spiritually, we have to apply the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. Back before Christ, it was animal's blood that was shed in order to restore and heal our spiritual sickness. Today, since Jesus has went to Calvary and shed his blood, his blood is now the remedy, the medicine to heal our spiritual sickness. So I'm sick. My way of getting healed is going to the Lord and say, Jesus, I am sick. Sickness is just destroying me. Sin is my sickness and is destroying my spirit within me. And I know you will not communicate with me with this kind of sickness reigning in my life. Because God said in John chapter 9 verse 31, I think, that and we know God hear it, not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of Christ, him he hear it. So what happens is when our spirit 
spirit is sick. We can't have right relationship with Christ. And the only way to get right relationship with Christ is for our spirit to get healed and whole again. And so, you know, if you have pneumonia, flu, whatever that weakens your body, you can't do what you normally do. You want to go to work, but you're so weakened because of the sickness in your body, you can't function like you normally do if you have real sickness in your body physically. When you're sick spiritually, you can't have real communication with God. You can't have a right relationship with God. The only way you're going to get healed and get well is when you get on your knees, when you go to the doctor, Dr. Jesus, and you say, Jesus, uh, I've allowed sin to just just got me sick and to the point where I, I just can't get through to you, but but I, I know that you've shed your blood on Calvary for me. I know that you have given a remedy. Uh, uh, um, you have given medicine for my sickness. And so today, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my life one more time. And I confess my sin. All my sins that I've committed against you. You name those sins. And you say, God, will you allow the blood of Jesus to apply to my life and to remove those sins because that's why you shed your blood was so sin would not remain and reign in my spirit and destroy me and so I ask you tonight in the name of Jesus let the blood be applied and flow in my life that I'm cleansed from this sin that I'm able to commune with you again that I'm able to be in right relationship with you again Will you, God, forgive me? And that's how we get well from our sickness. But the moment we start indulging in sin again, we get sick again. So a lot of us are sickly Christians. Because we know how to get well and so we get sick. And we go to the Lord, the physician, and he gets us well, and then we get sick, and we get well. And if we live that kind of life, tell me how would that life be ever profitable unto God himself? What sickly person you know is profitable in life? If you're sickly physically, you barely can work. Because employers are going to terminate you if you call out every other day. Except for this lady that worked with my wife. But I'm just saying that you call out every day, sooner or later you're gone. So if you're sickly, you won't be able to be profitable to society. You won't be able to be profitable to yourself. So let's go spiritual. If we're sickly spiritually... How are we helping God advance his kingdom? Today we're well, tomorrow we're sick. Saturday we're well, Monday we're sick. And we just keep living that life of well today, two days later we're sick. And we're up and down. We can't be productive. Your life will not be productive. You won't be able to accomplish anything in Christ because you won't stay well long enough. And that don't have anything to do with the pastor. That don't have anything to do with That's all you and Jesus. 
and we can pretend that we're well, but we're still sick. And Jesus knows it because he's the only one that can heal you, not the pastor, not anybody. Only Jesus can make us well again in our spirit. And so while we can parade like we're doing all right, and we can parade like everything is good, you know if you're sick. And more importantly, Jesus knows you're sick. So, spiritual sickness comes from a disease called sin. And there's only one remedy for that disease called sin. The blood. Somebody say the blood. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission, no removal. We cannot have proper relationship with God if we're sick spiritually. Spiritual healing is how we bind or we bond with God. At our core, we are spiritual beings. We are created in God's image. God is spirit. Though we have recorded accounts of God talking to Noah, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, one-on-one, We see God's desire to bond with his people to grow to a larger level. We could look in the book of Exodus and we can look in the book of Acts. In the book of Exodus, God told his people through Moses, build me a tabernacle, church building, so I can meet with you. In the book of Acts, God says, listen, and on the day of Pentecost, when the the day of Pentecost had fully come, verse 4 says, and they be, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What God has always intended to do is to have close relationship with us. And so he built up to it. So in the Old Testament, he told them, meet me in the tabernacle and there you will experience my presence. But that's not where he was going to stop. He wanted to dwell within us so we could have right relationship with him. And so God's purpose is to have a close bond with us, to have a right relationship with us. But when we are sick spiritually, that's not possible. And so what he's telling us tonight, what the lesson is all about tonight is how to get healed spiritually. We can't sit around. Can I tell you this? We can't sit around and cry and get results. Action that derive by faith is how we get response from God. Actions derived from faith is how we get response from God. And so if you've been struggling and you feel like you're sick spiritually and you feel like you're challenged spiritually, don't feel sorry for yourself. That don't work. Don't just cry. That don't work. Do something. Put some godly action that is generated by faith behind that thinking and go to God and express it. Listen, I think it's easy to go to God and just express yourself because he's all he's, he already knows. So I just think it's just easier going to someone that knows as opposed to somebody that you're going to tell them like, oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> Can you imagine if we would have went to God and God like, no, you didn't. 
You all, I can't believe you did that. Get on your knees, man. Let me just deliver you. Now, that would be hard to go into God like that. But going to a God that already knows and is really wanting you to come to him so he can really heal you. Oh, man, I want to go to that God. Are you kidding me? My goodness. This is why I don't, I try not to tell people too much because I want people that will kind of at least be close to being, behaving like God. That when they drop a bombshell or you drop a bombshell on them, they're like, okay. As a matter of fact, I try to be like that. <laughs> I, I do. I'm not lying to you. I will lose my, I will blow my top for little stuff. You do something simple that I know you know better. That drives me crazy. I'm just like, get out of here. I don't even want to talk. But something major going on, man, I'll sit with you and I'll be just cool as a cat. Like, all right, here's how we're going to approach this and here's what we need to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm just trusting the Holy Ghost to talk to me. And that, that, because to me, that's something we need to work at. That's an issue. Let's work with that. But you come to me with some silly stuff. I'm just like, let's move on to something else. Let's, let's, let's move on. That's just silly, man. You know better than that. But if it's something real, let's talk about it. Let's let's let the Lord work in the situation. And so let's not be afraid. Let's not be intimidated. Let's not let anything stop us from going to God to get spiritually healed. You know, just don't worry about it. You get on your knees wherever you come to the altar, wherever. You just go to God and get your stuff together. Because guess what? You have to get to heaven on your own. There's nobody else that's going to get you there. Only you get yourself to heaven. People can be a witness to you. People can love you. People can give you advice. But at the end of the day, you do what it takes to get you to heaven. So that's why it's important that we do that. God's sacrifice at Calvary allows all of us to experience spiritual healing. So the bottom line is every one of us can experience spiritual healing. So if you walk around and murmuring and complaining about how things are hard and check your motives. If you always got to express what's wrong and what's going, check your motive. Because God is here and wanting to, to heal you. So why are you going around publicizing, telling everybody? I mean, I see this on Facebook all the time. I'm like, these are people that's supposed to be Christians. They on Facebook going crazy. God can take care of all of that. Why are you telling everybody on Facebook? <sighs> I'm just like, are we getting this? And so... Be a smart church, church. Know that God can help you and heal you and take care of your business. You don't have to go to anybody. You don't have to publicize your stuff. Just let God do what he's going to do because God wants to do it. You, 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 you have access to the king of kings. This is why we don't have to go to any priest anymore. You've got access to the king of kings. Just go to him. Sincerely go to him. You don't have to lie. You don't have to, you don't have to put up a front because he's all good with it. He knows who you are better than you know yourself. You don't have to front with God. You don't have to put up anything because God already knows who you are. You can't, it don't make no sense to go to him acting like, you know, no, 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 no. He knows who you are. He knows who you are. He knows who you are. And so God's intent always was to have a bona fide relationship with us. 
Spiritual healing allows us to fully appreciate other works of God in our lives. So when God heals us spiritually, it allows other things to happen in our life. We need to appreciate. We need to appreciate. That word appreciate is big to me. We need to appreciate the things that God has done for us because I believe it will let other things flow into our life when we appreciate what God has done for us. Spiritual healing is the most important healing that can occur in us. Listen to this. In Mark, the scripture emphasized this. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now, here's all I'm going to point out and I'm done. Here's all I'm going to point out. The scripture says Jesus could do no mighty works in his hometown except for laying hands on a few sick people and they were healed. You know what he's saying to us? Physical healing is not a great miracle, not a mighty work. Spiritual healing is a mighty work. So when we think that, oh, God, I need you to heal me from cancer. Oh, God, I need you to heal me from diabetes. Oh, God. And we think, oh, that's so hard. God is like, are you kidding me? He said, when they didn't have faith, I was healing. He said it in there that, that in his hometown, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do much mighty works there. So he says, without faith, I'm healing. When I do spiritual healing, now that's a mighty work there, God. is, Now that's coming from God, that when he spiritually heals us, that's a mighty work. Physical healing is a small thing to him. I want a spiritual touch. That's what God is looking for. Spiritual healing is more of a mighty work than physical healing. In other instances, Jesus discussed salvation with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus wanted to talk about greatness. Jesus told him, you need to be born again. See, Nicodemus was worrying about, oh, you are a mighty man from God. Jesus just went straight into, you need to get spiritually healed. Oh, oh help us, Jesus. Jesus was always pushing and emphasizing spiritual healing over everything else. Once we have received spiritual healing, it should challenge our level of commitment to God. We must be spiritually healed before anything else. That's more important. Spiritual healing is so important. And if we walk around sick spiritually, it's because we have something not clicking right up here. It's something is not working right. Maybe sometimes, to be honest with you, remember I told you about the lady in the wheelchair. Sometimes I think we want attention from people and not from God. I'm serious. I can complain and you'll listen to me. I can complain and you'll feel sorry for me. But God feels sorry for me, but he still expected me to do something about it. So when, 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 when you're experiencing spiritual sickness, you can do something about it because God wants to heal you spiritually. He wants to heal you physically. He wants to heal you emotionally, which we'll talk about the emotional stuff next week. But, but he doesn't want to get to all the 
spiritual, the emotional and physical and all that stuff until he takes care of the spiritual stuff. Because what good will we be if we are healthy in body, but we're not right spiritually? What good will we be if we're emotionally good, but we're not good spiritually? That's why God is after the spiritual healing first. Pray with me. Father, in your name, the precious name of Jesus. Lord, if we've neglected our spiritual well-being, will you bring it back to our attention tonight? That, Lord God, we will not neglect our spiritual well-being. Lord, we've concentrated on physical healing. We've concentrated on emotional healing. We've concentrated, Lord God, on all the things on the outside of man. But God, we've overlooked our spirit, the one that you commune with, Lord God. It's by your spirit to our spirit that you commune with us. And if our spirit, Lord God, is not well, if our spirit is sick, then you're not able to get through to us. You're not able to commune with us. We're not able to have right relationship with you. So God, I pray tonight that you will show us, reveal to us, Lord God, where we are spiritually and if we're oh God sick spiritually and if we are Lord God we are coming we come to you Lord God in your name in the precious name of Jesus to say Father we are sick we will not be embarrassed we will not hold back we will not hold on but we will confess before you that we are a sick individual our sickness Lord God is spiritual Lord Jesus and so tonight we come before you and say have mercy upon us Lord God have mercy upon us individually have mercy upon us collectively for we are sick Lord God and you are the only one that can heal us we know God that you died and shed your blood just so we can be healed from our spiritual sickness and tonight we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ and we ask God that you will apply that blood to us one more time and that God we will walk out of this room tonight healed we will walk out of this room tonight whole spiritually Lord God that we can commune with you that we can hear the voice of God somebody I'm telling you God wants you to get healed tonight because he wants to commune with you he wants to speak to you he wants when you lay down in your bed that you can hear what the word of God is speaking into your spirit God wants to talk to somebody in here and the way he will talk to you is when you become healed spiritually you will begin to hear the voice of God he will begin to put impressions in your spirit you will begin to understand you will begin to know and you will wake up each day in a different mindset you will wake up every day understanding what your purpose will be you will wake up every day victorious and God will be responsible for it because he will have healed you he will have made you whole and that's the way he will move through your life father tonight I pray that they will experience the power of God working in them and working through them that their relationship with you will be closer than it's ever been that they will be bond together with you oh God never to be separated again 
again. Never to let anything come between you and them. God, as Adam and Eve allowed the serpent to come between them. God, help us tonight that we will not allow anything to come between us and you that will make us sick. Oh God, tonight I pray in the name of Jesus that you will deliver us from sickness and heal us for God that we will be whole. Oh, Almighty God, that we can have a right relationship with you. Jesus, we are so grateful and so thankful for you are good to us. You've done everything that requires us to be healed and be whole. And so tonight I pray, Lord, healing, let it be done. Wholeness, let it be done. Wholeness and healing, let it be done in our spirit. We give you honor tonight and we thank you tonight for you are our God. For we leave this place tonight, Lord God, healed. Now, Lord God, I pray that you will come, oh God, between us and every stronghold and every sickness that will try to overtake us. There's sins that's waiting to grab a hold of us. There's temptations that's coming to destroy us. But God, I pray that you will raise up a standard in our life, that you will be our shield and our buckler, that you will build a fence, a wall around us that when the enemy tried to come in and separate us from you you oh God will stand in our defense that when the enemy tries Lord God to overtake us you Lord God will come to our rescue and so tonight Lord as you heal us as you make us whole God don't let us get sick again help us from going down that road that will cause us oh God to become sick again that disease called sin Lord God, will you help us and will you touch us and will you keep us from it, Lord God, that it will not get the best of us, Lord God, strip us and take us from all desires that are sinful and ungodly, oh God, I pray that you will take away those desires and God replace them with the desires of the kingdom, with the desires of God, I don't want the desires of sin that is in me, that is coming upon me, but God, give me desires that profit the will of God, that profit the word of God, that profit the kingdom of God. Give me desires, Lord God, that are righteous, that are holy. Give me desires that are profitable unto the work of the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we love you. We appreciate your goodness. We appreciate your kindness, your mercy, and your love for great is the Lord. You are our healer. You are our deliverer. You are our keeper. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We appreciate you Lord. Oh bless the Lord. Oh my soul and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. All over this room Lord God one more time will you come your people with healing from the inside out healing from the inside out healing and wholeness from the inside out oh God we thank you 
We bless your holy name. I feel your presence, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Oh, God, move upon us that we will walk in appreciation, that we will walk in thanksgiving, that we'll walk in faithfulness, that we will walk, oh, God, in truth and righteousness for all what you've done. We appreciate you and we thank you in Jesus' holy name.